1: Hey, everyone. This is the second half of episode 57, which we split up into domestic and international for your listening convenience. Thank you so much for listening. Moving on to news from the world. And there's some big stories in the world news this week. So this week,
0: U.S. President Joe Biden addressed a joint sitting of Congress to propose the American Families Plan. A massive $1.8 trillion plan to invest in national child care, universal preschool, tuition-free community college, health insurance subsidies, and tax cuts for low- and middle-income workers, just like we're doing here in Canada. The $800 billion in low-income and middle-class tax cuts and $1 trillion in investments will be paid for by rolling back the Trump tax cuts that cut taxes from 39.6% to 37% for the richest Americans raising the capital gains rate for millionaires and billionaires, and closing tax loopholes for those making over $400,000. Those revenue measures are expected to be enough to pay for Moneybag Joe's plan over 15 years, and more importantly, will lift millions of Americans, including many Black Americans, out of poverty, while making the country much fairer for everyone. In describing the plan, Biden said, quote, "'Trickle-down economics has never worked.'" It's time to grow the economy from the bottom up and middle out. We're going to reform corporate taxes so they pay their fair share and help pay for the public investments their businesses will benefit from, end quote. It was also an historic night, not only because it was the first State of the Union addressed to occur within the pandemic. For the first time in U.S. history, two women were seated behind the president addressing a joint session of Congress Vice President Kamala Harris, as well as Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, who was the fourth in succession to the U.S. presidency. Mm. This is Biden's third major spending proposal following his $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan and his $2 trillion American Jobs Plan. Biden also proposed major reforms to gun control and policing and made a major pitch to protect voting rights, all of which Republicans have voted against. But there's bipartisan support for Biden's plans among voters, even though they still remain very divided uh, divided on many issues. (laughs) I said divided. Two-thirds of Americans support tougher gun laws, according to a USA Today Ipsos poll that ran after the mass shootings in Atlanta. A morning consult poll in March found that about 70% of voters, including a majority of Republicans, support the House's sweeping elections reform measure. Though Republican voters don't fully like the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, most Americans overall do, 74%. Republican politicians, though, not so much. In fact, resident Uncle Tom... No, that's, that's rude. I really shouldn't say that. So, <laughs> resident Uncle Tim, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, delivered the official Republican response to the Biden address saying, among other things, quote, I get called Uncle Tom and the N-word by progressives. I know firsthand our healing is not finished, but hear me clearly. America is not racist, or America is not a racist country. And Whatever. He also spoke to his party being in favor of infrastructure, but with a smaller price tag of $568 billion instead of $2 trillion. He also spoke in half-truths about the crisis at the border. I don't know, I like there there's a lot of things to say in response to Tim Scott. I, I think one that we have to acknowledge is first and foremost, I mean, even Kamala Harris and and Joe Biden said the same thing. I mean, look, I, I think I think we have to first of all call out Tim Scott for his, you know, ignorant if not straight up political comments, because I mean, everybody knows and and the data makes pretty clear there's actually, I mean, there's plenty of articles you could probably find, but but, uh, one article I read just recently from The Roots, I mean, really broke it down from, you know, the makings of the United States and the policies that undergirded the United States Constitution to the effects of that today. It's pretty clear that the country's racist. And yet, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden said the same thing, so we have a problem with we have a problem with calling things as they are.
1: Clearly, I, I think I think we may have a problem with definitions. Like <laughs> I think be, I think people may not understand what the what the term racism or racist country like what what the what is defined by that. Mm. The, the the interesting thing about Senator Tim Scott is that. Um, Again, I was reading his biography. Senator Tim Scott's grandfather picked cotton mm. in South Carolina. And he justifies there not being racism in America because he is now a senator. That That is not, that, that is a, a theory of, you know, exceptionalism or, um, you know, I, I guess sometimes we call it to, um, super tokenism, mm-hmm. where you believe that that your own story of how your family has developed is a, an example to everyone else that they can do it. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest myth of America, yeah. right? Yeah. That that is the American dream story that nobody really gets to other than people like, like Uncle Tim. So I... I th- I think but I I do, do want to say that um what what Uncle Tim is not and I really like that name by the way what Uncle Tim is not paying attention to is all of the people whose grandparents also picked cotton mm-hmm. and they continue to work as farm labor on cotton fields today mm-hmm. and what those people look like mm-hmm. yep idiot So moving to our next story, France is at risk of a, quote, deadly civil war. Hmm. The French government has condemned an open letter signed by active soldiers that say the country is heading for civil war due to religious extremism. It warns French President Emmanuel Macron, his government, and his MPs of several deadly dangers threatening France, including, quote, Islamism and the hordes of banlieue, the impoverished immigrant suburbs that surround French cities. The signatories go on to blame a certain anti-racism for splitting up communities and seeking to create a racial war by attacking statues and other aspects of French history, which, in case you're listening to this and you haven't made the connection, <laughs> is essentially uh these active soldiers blaming the global Black Lives Matter movement for the changes that are happening in France. <laughs> The letter continues that, quote, it is no longer the time to procrastinate. Otherwise, tomorrow, civil war will put an end to this growing chaos and deaths for which you will be responsible with numbers in the thousands, end quote. The the fact that the letter was written at all is a sign of dangerous times. And the backing of Marine Le Pen means the themes will continue to resonate in the upcoming year of campaigning that lies ahead. Curtis, any thoughts on this?
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, and this this all happened 60 years to the day after the generals' coup against General de Gaulle. So, um, I mean, in, in French history, it's pretty serious. Although it, you know, observers are saying that it's unlikely a coup would actually happen. I think it's worth noting. You know, this is this is a sign of the continued white lash that is happening in Western countries all over the world. Um, we can laugh at it. Right. Um, but. The right conditions could lead to a tinderbox, you know, combusting into flames. And nobody wants that. So um, let's hope that France is able to to keep this far right looming uprising under control. And let's hope that the rest of the Western world can do the same.
1: What's interesting about about the the letter, though, is you know they're they're calling out Black Lives Matter and the the moves to have some of these like really oppressive statues removed. Mm-hmm. But they don't talk about how France or, or the French Senate in France has essentially is making a a bid to ban girls under the age of 18 from wearing the hijab in public
0: yeah yeah and of course they wouldn't right because at the end of the day um they're the ones who are under attack right Um, it's their rights that need to be protected um and so all policy must follow accordingly
1: right like crazy crazy but yeah i mean it's exactly what you were saying in keeping with what you're saying nationalism is getting kind of out of control and uh this this attack on islam is i think i've said this on this podcast before the attack on islam is concerning because most of the francophone countries in the world are muslim countries Mm -hmm. i don't know what you want in terms of people coming into france like they're gonna come from french-speaking countries which include, you know, some of the largest Islamic countries in the world, Mm -hmm. Lebanon, Algeria, Senegal. So these, these, like, I don't know what you want people to do about that. Um, You were the colonizer, so you had your pick. (laughs) Like, it's wild. Truly. And last but not least, India is drowning under COVID-19. So I'm sure everyone has has been seeing this across social media. I think it's had it's it's made quite an impact. India's healthcare system has buckled under the world's highest COVID-19 caseload this past week or these past two weeks with hospitals filled to capacity and with oxygen supplies running dangerously low. Mm. With upwards of 330 new infections and more than 2000 deaths every day. Crazy. After a major dip in COVID-19 cases in February, when India recorded fewer than 10,000 a day, a devastating second wave crippled several states, including Delhi, Uttar Pradesh, Maharashtra, and Gujarat. The situation prompted Canada last week to even ban flights from India and Pakistan for 30 days. So what led to this desperate situation? Dr. Kohli says, quote, People had let down their guard, thinking the pandemic had ended. The pharmaceutical companies had bottled down their production, then the numbers skyrocketed in the last seven days. Hit with a sudden surge, the supply was not able to meet the overwhelming demand, end quote. In Delhi, the positivity rate rose to 36% with a record of 26,000 cases a day, prompting a temporary lockdown in the capital. Meanwhile, the Central Health Ministry released comparative data this week saying actually that the severity and demography of the affected in the second wave was nearly the same as the first wave. So what's next? In order to accelerate the vaccine rollout, India will open it up to all people 18 and older as of May 1st, which is today, the day that we're recording. But the initial enthusiasm over immunization has been replaced by public anger and despair over the explosion of cases. Patients that are in critical condition were unable to access urgent medical care even as massive political and religious gatherings took place across the country in recent weeks. Yeah, yeah. Really sad, but but seems like there's some light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Um, I don't know, man. Um, uh, I hope so, obviously, for India's sake. But I was listening to a pod, I think it was Front Burner, and uh, the person that was interviewed was the, the editor-in-chief, I believe, uh, another, or another high-ranking role at the Financial Times in India. Um, and one of the things that she was pointing out was um, all of the data that we know about, whether it be deaths from COVID, cases, all of that, um, the numbers are actually far greater than we know because India's mm. system has been under so much pressure for so long. They just don't even have the capacity to know how much has happened.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: you know, I, I remember seeing um, at least one um, story of a, a brother who, like many other people in India's largest cities, uh, were moving, you know, hospital to hospital. Literally, the, the, the camera mm-hmm. was following him around, him and his family and his brother near dying uh, around until, you know, unfortunately, eventually, you know, at the latest hospital they got to, they were waiting outside, trying to get any sort of help they could, and the brother passed away. Um, And, you know, that is one of many, many uh, situations, similar situations that many Indian people are facing right now. Uh, I don't know if you heard, patients that they they actually have essentially a shortage of um, of
1: cremators. Oh, I, I'm reading right right now. It says that like they're working 22 hour days Literally. to keep up with with the 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 um, I, don't, I don't I don't. This sounds so morbid, but to keep up with the demand. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So um, you know, India is at a very tough place. I know that the international community, the U.S. Um, I do not know exactly what Canada has done. I know that we were at least talking about it, but I did not follow up to know what that was, so I can't speak on it. But I know that the international community has at least spoken of stepping up, and I and I hope that they do fully.
1: Yeah, I mean, in in terms of the U.S., like I think the the, the conversations that I was reading about were that they wanted to donate. The vaccines that were no longer approved for, for distribution in the U.S., which I think are the Johnson and Johnson and the AstraZeneca. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I know for sure Johnson and Johnson is no longer approved for, or is no longer, I think recommended is the word recommended, um, for protection of, of American citizens. But I mean, what are the ethics around that? Eh? What are the ethics around the vaccine that you won't give to your people that you give that? To a, a, another country, a country that's drowning under under this kind of a, a circumstance. I mean,
0: we have the same agreement here. The U.S. sent us uh, AstraZeneca vaccines that they weren't using. Oh, is oh okay? I didn't know that. Um, huh. I, for me, I mean, there's there's the perspective that you brought up, but I think really what it comes down to is. Um, places like the United States, there are just way too many people who are, who don't want to take the vaccine. And so it's got to be used one way or another. So get it to a place where that's going to use it. Right. And, and by the way, in the interim, the United States end up, ends up looking good for helping out the world. (laughs) Win, win. Jumping to questions for the audience. So in a major reversal of U.S. policy, President Joe Biden now has the U.S. supporting a global treaty through the OECD to implement a global floor for corporate tax, as well as to limit the use of tax havens by corporations. Under the Biden proposal, big tech companies and large corporations, i.e. the drivers of the fourth industrial revolution, would be forced to pay taxes to national governments based on the sales they generate in each country, regardless of where they're based. A global tax floor would also be agreed to. The U.S. thinks the floor should be 21%, but that may be too high for countries like the Bahamas or Panama or Ireland or Hungary that already have much lower tax rates. G20 finance ministers working through the OECD may very well have an agreement in place by July. Success means global tax fairness to help countries rebuild as well as certainty for businesses. Failure means some societies may have a harder time rebuilding and risk the world slipping into a new era of economic conflict over trade, which of course could lead to war. So if you were in the room, what tax floor would you advocate for? You've just listened to episode 57 of The Drip. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. We're releasing pods on a weekly basis, so subscribe to stay up to date.
1: You can also keep up with us on our Instagram and through our Patreon pages dedicated to the podcast. Follow us or support us at The Drip T.O. We love our many non-BIPOC listeners, but a message specifically to our Black listeners, we hope that you know that this is a safe space for you. So if you have any feedback or questions, feel free to slide in our DMs and let us know what's up.
0: We'd also like to give a special shout out to Toronto's very own Beyond Location for our new sound. You can find more tracks from him wherever you get your music. See y'all next time. Yeah. I told y'all I'm coming back with this one, right? Yeah. Let y'all feel it out.